Okay, good morning, Shavua Tov. Today's daf is daf Mem, and today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Yeshua Yitzchak Ben Shol Ruvain Halevi. May his neshama have an aliyah, may his, may his memory be a blessing. Okay, so we're going to go from the bottom of Lama Tessa with Bays 39b, um, about the six or so last line, discussing uh, uh, Bikur Cholim, uh, mitzvah visiting the sick. We've come across a few interesting points, but maybe we'll go as we go through. Um, just one note, amazingly, is we all thought, what's the source that you visit the sick? What, where do we know to visit the sick from? From Avram, from Hashem visiting Avram. Al-Gamora brought about three psukim, or, and primarily it learned it out from Bakorach. Something to think about, uh, what's the connection between Korach and Bikur Cholim? I mean, I mean, besides all that, they learn it out from the Apostles, that they will die without anyone by their bedside. Oh, you see, someone who's sick and ill and about to die should have someone at their bedside. Quite a relatively obscure. There's another Gomorrah, I think it's uh, Socha, the tool brings it here. This is the famous one. It says, uh, how do we know? Says Once someone becomes sick, it's a mitzvah on everyone to visit him. Because we find that Hashem visited the sick. Appeared to him in Elonei Mamre. That's Hashem appearing to Abraham. He came to visit him in. Um, Visit Avram when he was sick, but Smuach Kra, and they connected it or based it on the Pasuk, you will show them the way that they should go. How do we, um, that's the mitzvah to, if I remember correctly, to emulate Hashem. So we emulate Hashem by following the good, let's call it the good practices, the Hanhogas that he had, and therefore we also visit the sick. And then, as we'll see, but one of the main uh, Reasons why I was thinking, you know, what's the Bikur Cholim we should know to do automatically? Why do we need uh, Halach and Gemara on it? So firstly, a lot of it is to inspire us, make us realize the significance of it, not actually Halachas. But then I think it's also just to frame as uh, Jews, when you see a sick person, how do you approach it? And that's what the Torah then net says. I mean, it comes out from the Gemara, the, the Gemara says, but it says, um, It's a great mitzvah to visit. Because through this you'll come to daven for him, and that's uh, bringing him life. So interesting, one of the main aspects of visiting the sick is when you see someone suffering, you'll daven for them. So that's the, uh, I was just thinking maybe that's to help us put in the right, to give us perspective. The Torah is our view of, you don't just visit a sick person to, oh, he's stuck at home, let's... Uh, have an asked time. I'm not saying that that's not a reason to to like have an asked time for someone who's sick and struggling, but the primary reason is to daven for him. Okay, but let's carry on into the Gemara. So the last word of the line is Rebbe. Seven seven lines from the bottom. Someone who visits the sick takes away one sixtieth of his pain. Um, Omri lay im the ulin chisim velukme. So he says, okay, well then just get 60 people, line up 60 people, and let them visit the sick person, and he'll be better. He says, Omri lay suraisa de rebi. No, it's like the tenth of rebi. What do you mean the tenth of rebi? 
So, so he gives two two qualifications. Firstly, is to rise at the Rebbe, like the tenth of Rebbe, over Ben Gilui, and a Ben Gilui is someone who's Ben Gilui. I'll discuss that soon. Let's just see what is to rise to the tenth of Rebbe is. The Tanya Rebbe Oimer. This is from last Mesechtik Subos. Says Basan is Oynes Menirsei Achin Noitles Isunachosim. A daughter who the the estate, the sons are obligated to sustain their sisters, and they have to set aside. 10% of the assets for the daughter. So it's not like So Amru the Rebbe, they said to Rebbe, "Let's berechom isheishlo eser bonos uben, ain lo leben b'mokom bonos klum." You telling me that if a man has 10 daughters and one son, he's not going to have um, the the son's not going to get anything because you're giving them each 10%. And you don't have to go in that. You say what? There's seven daughters and he's going to get uh, 30% of the state. He's going to get next to nothing. So he says, no, Omar Lohem, Rebbe said to them, the first one gets 10% of the estate. Shnir Bamasha Shaira, the second one, 10% of what's left. I saw 10% of 90. Shlishi is Bamasha Shaira, the third one, 10% of what's left. So it's at 10% of 81. Etc. And you continue till each girl's taken, I get 10% of what's left of the state, and then they divide it equally. So you do a mathematical calculation of how much of the estate goes to the daughters, which again 10% of 10% of 10% once you give it to each of them, and then you split that amount of the estate amongst the daughters equally. So that's the 10% of rep. So firstly, you're going to have to get a many, many more people than you expected to actually cure him through this. I mean, you can still make, according, but according to this understanding, you can still make good headway. I'm saying get 60 people to visit him. I don't do the, uh, I don't do the math, but I'm sure you'd get over 50% of his illness cured. So there's another qualification, as we saw, Ben Gilo. What's Ben Gilo? So the common explanation is that it's someone who's born under the same constellation. It seems somehow that has some greater significance, there's a greater affinity for them that he's able to remove the illness. Some say more uh, pragmatic approach, that it is Ben uh, Gilo um, is uh, someone of the same age, someone he can relate to, like an elderly person visiting an elderly person, a younger person visiting a younger, a younger person. And another opinion, also pragmatic, is a friend. When a friend visits you, it lifts your spirits, you feel better, and that's the... And that, uh, slight, uh, what would you call it, uh, joy, pleasantness that he brings with him will make you feel better. So that's the first point um, of our death is the greatness of visiting the sick. There's an interesting discussion, Simon. The tour seems to imply that. That's how it kind of works. And I think what, maybe that's why he's telling us is it's not always pleasant to visit a sick person. You know, to see someone lying there suffering, to wonder how, you know, what they need, can you help them, the condition they left in. So it's not always pleasant. And some even go so far as to say this 60th that you're taking from them is transferring the 60th from the sick person to the person who's visiting him. So I don't know. I think emotionally maybe you can say that. Um, I'm trying to think who said it. Who said it can't be what you're doing, the great mitzvah of Bikur Cholim, and you're going to leave the, leave the house a little bit sick. It says, no, it can't be like that. But I think just emotionally, often to see a sick person, you know, you go visit someone in the hospital, that uh, it's very unpleasant. So that's a, it's an added factor to the greatness of visiting the sick. Is even though you're going to take 60th of his sickness, even though you're going to feel the discomfort, it's still a very important great mitzvah to do. Um, we're on the last line of Lama Tessamud. Days, it says, Rebbe Chalbo Cholash. Rebbe Chalbo got ill, 
And Norfak Achriz Rab Kahana, so Rab Kahana went and made an announcement. Rabbi Chalva Boish. Rabbi Chalva was sick. He was saying, you know, guys, we need to, uh, guys in the yeshiva, we need to set up and go visit him. He says, no one went to visit him. So Omer Luhu, he said to them, Lo Kacha, your master, do you not know about the story with? But Talmud Echod Bitabidei Rabbi Akiva, one of the students of Rabbi Akiva, Shecholo, he became sick. None of the sages went to visit him. Rabbi Akiva went to visit him. He just swept the floor. He, they used to sprinkle water because they had dust floors to settle the dust. He just made the environment more pleasant for him. He healed. So he said to Rabbi Akiva, you have uh, Rabbi, you have uh, healed me. You brought me back to life. So Yotza Rabbi Akiva, the Darish Rabbi Akiva went out and made the following Joshua. Whoever doesn't um, visit the sick, it says, if he, it says, if he's murdered. When Abdimi came, he said, anyone who visits the sick, he causes him to live. Anyone who does not visit the sick, he's causing him to die. My God, what do you mean he causes him to die? Or how does visiting the sick either cause him to live or cause him to die? He says, He says, Maybe you're going to tell me that it means, you know, someone who goes to visit the sick, and this is the line we started with, you'll see him and he'll daven for him to live. And someone who goes and visits the sick, he will daven for him that he will die. He says, No, it can't be. Um, he's going to daven that he dies. Could you even conceive such a thing? No, what it rather what it means is No, the concern is that if you don't go visit the sick person, you're not going to daven for him, either that he will live or that he will die. The Rosh explains. Um, He says, this, that you don't visit him, and you don't therefore daven for him, and maybe it would have been an opportune moment, a shasrat, a esrat, on a special times when special, either you or people in general have a special opportunity for your feelings to be answered, and you're not going to daven for him. you withholding him this 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 chance that he could be healed through your tefillahs, Gorem Shahyamus, you cause him to die. So just a few points to discuss on this first. Um, it's very powerful. It's saying just by not, I mean what the Rosh is saying, just by not visiting the sick, I, and it could be that your, when you visit him, your tefillahs will be more meaningful, will have a special effect. It's causing it as if you killed him. I mean, it's very indirect. It's a, what we would call a grammar. It's, you know, you're not visiting him, which might, you might not daven for him as well as if you did, but, you know, it's as if you killed him. It's as if you murdered him. It's as if you caused his death. And on the other hand, someone who visits someone who's sick, um, then it will be. What's so special? Can't you daven at shul? Can't you daven at home? Why do you need to go visit him? So we'll see a bit later in the daf. The, the choyle, the, I, think, I think there's two aspects. One is Hashem's by the choyle, that we'll see there's a special level of shechina uh, that's presence by a, presence by a choyle, so it is more likely your tefillahs will be answered. And also when you, the more closer you are to the person, even if it's a person you're close to, but the more real it is to you, you see their suffering, you see what they're going through, you're going to daven better. So that would improve your tefillah, which would improve his chances. 
Um, what else? Yeah, there's a big discussion when you see like a, a statement like this in the Gomorrah, Ke'ilu, it says if. Ke'ilu shoyfeh damim. Rabbi Kiva says if you don't visit a sick person, it's, it's as if you, it's as if you were uh, murdered. So we find this statement used quite a few times. Someone's really showing him me that's it's emphasizing how important, but not literally. That's why it uses Ke'ilu, it's as if. It's not that you kill him, it's as if you kill him. Where do we find similar statements? Says anyone who gets angry, it's Ke'ilu Oyved Avodazara. It says if they serve the Avodazara. Um, it says by someone, by Loshanara, it says, what? Uh, if I remember the phrase, is Avodazara is Ke or Ke'ilu, Shikhoz Damim Gila Arayos, and Avodazara. So, what? It's literally that bad? So they say, no, when it says ki'ilu, it's emphasizing it's important, but obviously it doesn't mean literally it's as bad as the action. Others take it more seriously. I mean, I know Tosso say bar, it brings uh, the Gomorrah by embarrassing someone. It says that if you embarrass someone, it says if you killed them, and it brings you should rather throw yourself into a fiery furnace than embarrass someone. And it brings a story by Yehuda and Tamar. But Tosso says, ah, oh, so if embarrassing someone is like killing them, why doesn't it say, just as you have to give your life rather than kill someone, you should give your life rather than embarrassing them? So he says, no, because uh, those are the ones, that, when it gives that list, those are the ones that are explicit in the Chumash, but these are not explicit. But it's, it's as bad as killing. He takes it literally, Tosos. Um, similarly, uh, I think it's the Rabbeinu Yon, I don't remember if it's in Shari Tshuva, or maybe it's both, his commentary on Avos. He says the same thing with the he says very similarly. He says it's a subcategory of murder. It doesn't have to say uh, embarrassing separately because it's a subcategory. Um, so, so keilu sometimes they take it uh, some commentaries and sometimes they take it very literally um, and just highlights again highlights at least how severe it is. It's viewing it as if someone has opportunity and they don't go visit the sick person. It's as if they killed them. Um, We see a second dimension of, from Rabbi Akiva, we see a second dimension of Bikul Cholim. We mentioned davening. When you go visit the sick person, you'll daven for them, which is the one aspect of Bikul Cholim. A second aspect is um, you'll take care of their physical needs. You'll neaten things up, clean things up. Obviously, being in a dirty, dusty environment is not going to be helpful for the sick person. He needs to have his mind calm and relaxed and you need to get him his spirits and his mind in as good a state as possible. So to clean up the house, clean up the room a bit. And obviously, I don't remember if it's later on this stuff or earlier, obviously to tend to his needs, get him what he needs, help him. I mean, often you go visit someone in the hospital and they've been waiting a few hours for tea. You know, so but you there, the nurses have been, let's say, very, very busy, so they haven't been able to get him his tea. So you can go get him his tea. You can help him. You check that he has everything he needs, which even in... Uh, hospitals and stuff where they're supposed to be taken care of. Sometimes these things are overlooked. So that would be a third aspect of Bikur Cholem. And there's a question in Ramosha Feinstein, can, um, can you fulfill Bikur Cholem over the phone? So obviously there might be some dimension of it, but it's definitely not meeting the high possibility, the high significance of actually visiting the person in person. Now there's a fascinating run here. And it actually has quite a practical ramification. Seems to have had a slightly different version, but we said anyone who visits the sick, it says if he 
it's he didn't daven for him for mercy. It's a, it's kind of like he cursed caused his death, and someone who is there did not cause his death. But the run says it's the first run on the page. It's nearby in the Sometimes you actually have to daven for the sick person that he dies. For example, if he's in huge amounts of suffering, and it's impossible that he will survive. Amazing, amazing idea he's bringing in. Sometimes it's better to daven for the person to die if they're suffering and they're not going to live anyway. You're just dragging out their suffering by dominating it for them to live. And he brings the story by Rebbe and his mates. And Rebbe was very sick, and everyone, were, all the yeshivas, etc., were dominating for the God of Ador to live, and she saw his suffering, and she said, May Hashem's, uh, may Shemayim's rots on eye that he's sick and he's going to take effect first rather than uh, the, the people davening for Rebbe. So that's his source. And then he says, and then he explains, Therefore, when you visit a person, you can help him with your tefillah. You might bring him to recover because your tefillah will be more effective. And someone who doesn't visit, I don't even have to mention, obviously you're not helping him by davening in that special way as when you actually visit him. You're not even giving him the little benefit of having seen his state and realizing, oh wait, he's someone who I should be davening for him to die. So never mind, you're not davening for him to live and having that opportunity. You might even be depriving the sick person of the tefillah that he needs for him to die. Now, fascinating. So it seems, according to the run, very clearly that sometimes a mitzvah to daven for someone again, they, their illness is terminal. They're suffering incredibly. There's no need to prolong it. Um, you can actually daven for him to die. This is important, Shulchan Aruch, but I know Ramosha Faisin, I've seen, has a tshuva on it. He discusses it. Firstly, obviously, according to Torah law, you're not allowed to do anything that would hasten the death. That would, that would be murder, you know, to uh, give him certain medications or do anything that would hasten his death. But how far can you go to enable him to die? So clearly, according to the run, you can daven. Some, some actually, some are him aren't happy. They say you can't daven for someone to die. As for Shalom, you definitely not allowed to. You don't know how to value love. We don't know how to place the value on love, and therefore we can't. But the run clearly says you can, and Ramosh is happy with that. He seems to say you can daven for them to die. What about withholding certain medica- medications or things like that? Not again, not doing anything to him, but not giving the what he needs to live longer. Are you allowed to do that? So that's uh, that, that's what Ramosh is going into in that chuva. And um, how far can you? Again, not I don't want to say enable because Chaspa Shalom to do anything active. That's that's the Torah views that as murder. You call someone to die a few minutes earlier, a few seconds earlier than they would have. That's murder. But what about uh, again, not giving him a certain medication? Very far out, very far out, very dangerous, very dangerous discussion, but sadly, very, sadly, very practical. It's a lot of people have to deal with uh, um, these sort of things. That was many years ago, maybe 50 years ago, they turned off my cousin's um, machine. Yeah. He was an absolute sufferer. Yeah. So, again, there you're actively doing something, yeah, but again, so not, but again, yeah. it's indirect. They weren't worried about the halakhic ramifications, there was a big legal yeah. thing. Because you're not allowed to do that legally. Uh, so, I mean, just, uh, yeah. Um, 
So let's say you need, you see someone who could do with the machine, do with the blood transfusion, do with the, I don't know, do with antibiotics. Maybe you shouldn't give it to them so that they don't go through all the suffering. You know, something touches you. Um, I mean, Shlomo seems to agree with this that you can dub them um, for someone to die. Doesn't seem to be as keen to withhold things. He says, like, don't know if it's specific, but he says, like, oxygen and. Uh, what, let me just try to remember what it is. He mentioned something like oxygen and. Something that's like very basic, you can't even deprive them of that. Um, okay, but uh, something uh, quite an amazing, uh, amazing, not as in happy, but uh, something to think about. Okay, Robert, 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 you can more the cholish. On the first day that he fell ill, Omer Lohon Loite Glule Inchi, the Loyalist Ramazle, he says, Don't reveal it to people I don't want it. The mazel to deteriorate. He said, "Go and announce it to everyone." To hold the sadly lichtily, anyone who hates me will rejoice. And the pasuk says, The pasuk says, "Don't rejoice at the downfall of your enemy." And the pasuk continues, "Pen yire Hashem, Hashem will see see the evil people rejoicing at his downfall." Um, and Hashem will turn his anger. So it seems that when enemies rejoice about the downfall of the person, that can cause Hashem to switch the lack of that person. So Robert says, even if the people who hate me hear about my uh, my sickness, it could bring about refuah. And obviously, my friends or those who like me, they'll happen for me. So the second half of the statement is easier why you would be happy to let people know that you're sick. And it's good to let people know that you're sick so that they can daven for you. Um, interesting, we can ask Rava. People hated Rava. Wasn't he a great time? No, any Rav of a town, a head of a base, in doing their job properly, is going to have people who don't like them. He's going to have given them rebuke. He's going to have judged a court case against them. So, and you know, everyone when they go to court, they think they're right. So at least half, uh, there's a good amount of people who are not going to uh, like you. Um, again, for the right reasons. Some even bring, if a Rav is beloved to everyone, he's not uh, doing his job correctly. Um, I guess it, yeah. Um, and then just the third part, I wasn't sure that on the first day, it seems something along the lines of, on the first day of the illness, it's very much in the balance whether it's going to deteriorate, turn into a bad illness, or he'll just get better. If people start hearing about it, or the, or the family loves, he's sick, daven for him. That's like what we call Pischon Pela Satan. It's opening the mouth. Ah, he's sick. The Satan says, ah, he's sick. Yes, he is sick, and then he brings about the illness. So you don't want to go on the first day and say, look, so-and-so is sick. Something like that. Anyone who visits the sick, he's saved from Gehenim. Shinemar, as the Pesach says, Ashrei Maskil El Dal. Happy is the one, glad is the one who thinks about the poor, literally like thinks about the poor, takes them into consideration. But Yom Ra'ah, Yemalteyu, and the day of evil, Yemalteyu Hashem, Hashem will save him. Ein dal el choyle. Dal often refers to choyle. We, we often translate it as poor or needy, but here it's choyle. Shenemar, as it says, Midaloya from illness he will end my life. 
And this is Chizkiyahu, uh, he was going to die, and he was going to die from his illness, and he davened to Hashem, Hashem saved him, and that's what he's referred to. He says, Inami, min hadin, min hadin crawl from the following passage. He says, One of the friends said to Amnon, Why, why, prince? Every morning are you ill? He was laughed sick with his sister, and he didn't know how to uh, seduce her, so he was, it was eating away at him, and he was becoming so his friend said, Why are you dull every morning? Why are you sick? So we see that word dull refers to sickness. And ain ra ele geherem, ra refers to geherem, says, the work of Hashem is all for his sake, and even the Rosha on the day of his evil eye, on the day that he is in Gehenna. So now if we go back to the positive, you're going to understand it. Happy is the one who takes consideration of the sick. On the day of Gehenna, he'll be saved from it. Aye, someone who visits the sick will be saved from Gehenna. Then it carries on the Imbikor Maskara. What's the reward for someone who does visit the sick? That's Maskara. What do you mean, what's the reward? You just said the most amazing reward. He's protected from Gehenna. No, it says, What's his reward in this world? I mean, no, we say every morning, There's some things that you get benefit in this world. Um, and the, but the primary reward is in the world to come. Are there some ramifications of your act, of your mitzvah, of your actions that do get reward in this world? Generally, we don't say that. Generally, we say no reward in this world. The rewards in the world to come. So, but where do we see this? It says Hashem Yishmarei uveYachyeu vaOishe baAret. Hashem will guard him and give him life, etc. And he won't give him over to into his enemies. Into his enemies. So now we've explained that possible phrase by phrase. The reward for this, it says, Hashem Yishmerayu mi Yetzahara. And it says, Hashem will save him, that's from the Yetzahara. V'yichyayu, he'll bring him life. Min hayasurim, from suffering. V'oyshev ba'aretz, what does that refer to? She'yeh kol mitzchavdim ba'aretz, so that everyone honors him. V'al titnu b'nefesh o'yvav, and he won't be given over into the souls of his enemies. She'yeh damdulo re'im kanaman, she'ripo es saraso. Hashem will... Cause that he has friends like Naaman had that caused him to be cured from Saras. Um, and they won't be give. He won't have friends like Rechavim who caused him to split his kingship. What are those stories? We know Naaman. Um, the commentary is back. The story of Naaman. He was a general and he had uh, Saras. So his servants, they well, they convinced him to go to Elisha. He went to Elisha, thinking, you know, Elisha is going to come visit us famous great general with whole pomp and ceremony. Elisha didn't even see him. He sent one of his uh, messengers, go tell Naaman he must bath in the in the Yarda, in the Jordan River, seven times, or go to Mikvah seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman was very upset. He's like, what do you mean? He's not showing me honor and watch. He thinks I don't bath in the wonderful waters of the Euphrates. What's so special about this place? And he wants to go. And his servants persuaded him. He said, it's not a big deal. It's just going go go to the Jordan, dunk yourself seven times, just give it a shot. And he did, I mean, and again, he had to humble himself because he was this great general who had kind of been uh, slaughtered and insulted him. He went and he did it, and he was healed. So we see good friends caused him to be healed. Rechavon, there, well, let's, let's read the next line to, to understand Rechavon. It says, Tanya Rebishum ben Elazar, Oymer Rebishum ben Elazar, says, Im yonru lodim, bono zekainim sosar, if young people tell you to build, and elderly people tell you to destroy. Shomal is a cane of Altishman Yeladim. Listen to the elders and don't listen to the youngsters. Shebon She Binyan Yeladim Stiro Stiro Zakani Binyan. The building of the of youngsters is can be destructive and the destroying of Zakanim is 
construct of this building, the Simon Adova, Rehovim ben Shlomo, the way to remember this is the Rehovim and son of Shlomo, whatever the Rehovim. So when he inherited the, the kingship from his father, Shlomo Amelech, there were extremely high taxes. And Bnei Israel sent a delegation to him and said, can you please lower the burden and we'll serve you faithfully. So he asked the elders, and they're like, yes, it's a very good point. The taxes and the responsibilities that they had under your father's reign, and which is now under your reign, is too high. Lessen it, lessen the burden on them, and they'll be very loyal to you. And he asked his friends, and his friends were, no, how can you, uh, what are you going to do if you uh, lower the taxes? What's going to happen? Um, you, know, what's it? you give a hand and they'll take an arm. What's the praise? Is that something like that? Um, give, you think they'll take the whole, you know, don't, don't be cruel. And he followed his friends. He said, I'm not lessening anything. If anything, I'm going to make it harsher for you. And immediately, uh, that's when uh, that's when the kingship splits into the northern kings and the southern um, kings. And there, there was the rebellion and uh, he split the natural, which actually would split until the destruction of the temple. Um, so he followed the counsel of his friends, the youngsters, and he didn't follow the counsel of uh, the elders. At, look what happened. Um, one uh, parable I heard for this binion and still we know younger people are generally more impulsive. So they say, oh, look, we need, look, we're building. Let's quickly add on a, we need some more room. Let's add on an extra room. The elders will be like, wait, is that the most effective way to do it? Are the foundations strong enough to add another story or to extend it? You know, sometimes take a little bit more deliberation, which in the long run is much more effective, even though it seems like they're hesitating and delaying things and making a whole mission out of it. Okay. A person shouldn't visit a sick person in the first three hours of the day or in the last three hours of the day. So that he doesn't give up hope on Hashem's mercy. Um, right? Why would he, sorry, why, yeah, why would he give up hope from doubling if he visited a sick person in the beginning of the day or at the end of the day? So he says, no, in the first three hours of the day, the sick person is feeling the best. So you're going to go visit him, you're going to see him in good spirits, looking good, and you're going to oh, I can take him off the Tehillim list. So he doesn't need it anymore. Or, um, what about Basraisa Tokit Khusha? Or if you visit him in the evening, the last three hours of the day, you're going to see him very hugely suffering, struggling with his illness, and you might say, oh, there's actually no more point in davening for him. Maybe similar to the run, maybe it's even worse for davening. So those aren't a good time to visit him. Um, others bring more pragmatic uh, reasons as if they didn't have this in the text. But let's go on. How do we know that Hashem supports the Choylesh. And Emmanuel says, Hashem Yisadeinu al-Eres doi. Hashem Yisadeinu, he offers support, sustenance by the sickbed. Omar Rabin, Omar Rabin, How do we know that the Shechiber is resting above the bed of the sick person? And Emmanuel says, Hashem Yisadeinu al-Eres doi. Hashem will support the sick person. Hashem is there taking care of the sick person. Tanya Nami, we have a price which says the same thing. So, and this is what I was bringing out earlier, a special mile of going to the sick person is the Shekhinah's there. And that, we're going to see, is going to reflect how you should, it should affect, in a way, how you behave by a sick person. It says, If you go visit a sick person, you shouldn't sit on the, the bed that the sick person is on, nor on a bench. Rather, you should wrap yourself up and sit on the ground. I like you in awe of the Shekhinah. Because the, the 
Shechina is above, is above the bed. Shenemar Hashem is al doy. Hashem is sustaining him right by the sick bed. Um, Wait, this doesn't make sense. You, I've never seen someone when they go visit someone at a sick person or someone at the hospital that they sit on the floor. You get a chair and you sit around. It seems that no, that when the bed is on the floor, if often their beds were very low, it was either a mat on the floor, or just like a mattress, and if you're sitting on a chair or a bed, you're above the shina. So you should humble yourself and sit lower. But you're right, if you're at the hospital where the bed is high, you can sit on a chair to visit them. Um, that wouldn't be a problem. Interesting also to act with this amen, you're I mean, I know if I was sick and people came, you know, acted in all terror, it would uh, probably make me feel more nervous. Um, but I guess you've got to be sensitive. Does he need a good sense of humor? Does he need uh, some of his physical needs taken help with? Does he need you to dust the room? Does he need filler? I think that's part of what we're being taught here. You've got to be sensitive to what the sick person needs. I know my grandfather was quite also, you've got to be sensitive that often a sick person needs a lot of rest. You know, so you go sit with a sick person for hours, chatting away, you know, keeping them up, and all, all they really need is uh, rest, and well, that's what they want. So you've got to be very sensitive to what they need. You get a lot of sick people who are very lonely, and all, and that's the highlight when someone comes and visits them. So you've got to be sensitive and careful. Okay, now we're going to go on to a new sugya. The connection I can find is this is almost... Also, the Omar Ravin Omar Rav, which was the previous statement, but I'm not exactly sure why it's here. So he says, the Omar Ravin Omar Rav, Mitra Vamarov, Pras. When it rains in Eretz Yisrael, it, the Euphrates bears great witness to this. I, the river, the Euphrates starts expanding and the waters increase. Oh, and now we take that statement and we say, Plege de Shmuel. That's arguing on Shmuel. The Omar Shmuel, Mahara Mikifa Mizbrich, a river is increased from its source. Shmuel learned, based on a Gomorrah elsewhere, that any time extra rain goes in the river, somehow from its spring, from its source, it doubles. The, the water comes from underground double. What's the ramification of this? Why we... Oh, it's an argument. Or what's this? No, we're going to bring this regarding Hilchus Mikvos. We use the word mikveh as a generic term for whatever body of water you're going to be total in. But from the Pasuk and Chazal, they learn out there are two distinct types of mikveh. There's what's called a mayan, a spring, and that's a river. It can be flowing, and the water can flow, and you can go in that for a mikveh. The other type of mikveh is the one we're more familiar with. It's a collected body of water from rainwater or snow or something like that. Now, the second mikveh is not allowed to be flowing. So if you have rainwater that's flowing, like a river that's full of rainwater, and that's why the water's flowing, that's an invalid mikvah. So the discussion here is when you see the Euphrates, again, in the normal season, it's, uh, you know, X amount of water flows through it, and then you see all of a sudden it goes huge and uh, much more roaring and so much more water in it, according to this opinion in the name of Rav, you couldn't go to mikveh in it because it's now mostly rainwater or mostly um, melted snow that's causing it. And according to Shmuel, no, when you see the river expand, don't worry, for every little bit of rainwater there that's in it, there's double coming from its source, from the spring, so it's fine. That's the Maklokas that that is touching on here. Um, now the Gomorrah said, Yeah. And as 
And upliga the Shmuel and the Shmuel. This teaching of Shmuel is actually arguing on another teaching of Shmuel. The Omer Shmuel, Ein Hamay Mutarim Bezoiflim, Elol Pras Vimei Tishrei Bilvad. The only time you can go in a flowing river is in the Euphrates in the Tishrei season. That's the only time. Now the run explains, there's two points here. Obviously not saying that's the only river and that's the only time. It's using the Euphrates as one criteria and be made Tishrei as another criteria. Right, so to go to Mikveh in a river, you have to meet both the following criteria. The first one is that it's like the Euphrates. The run explains is that you know the Euphrates, they know, and you're confident that the Euphrates never ever stops running. There's water all year round. As soon as the river, it's a sort of river that once in a while, even if it's uh, very infrequently, dries up, you have to be concerned that it's most of the year when there is water, it's from melting snow, melting up in the mountains, seeping into it, or rainwater. So that's the first point. Like the Euphrates, it cannot have um, water. It has to flow the whole year without ever failing. Um, and, this, and it would be the same thing with another river, just as we said, that's the, the Euphrates is the example it's bringing. Um, he says also, if you know that the, it stops flowing for another reason, let's say you saw they diverted it for a farm or something, or then, uh, okay, so things are, then you know that why it stopped. But if you don't know why it stops and it stops flowing, then you have that concern. So that's the first one. Um, the second thing is that we made Tishrei. Tishrei is right at the end, just before the rainy season. So that's how much water in the river at that time. You can be confident there's no rainwater mixed in, and it's not from snow. It's the end of summer. It's going into winter. So it's not from snow melting. It's not from rainwater. It's that level of water. So if you don't know the river, you can go in Tishrei. It will, you need to know that the river never stops flowing, but you're not familiar with the water line of the river, then you can go in Tishrei. The Ram does point out, if you know the water line of the river, you're familiar with that river, and you see that, yeah, it's increased, but from it's a huge gushing river and the line's gone a little bit higher, then there's no danger. You don't have to be concerned that there's too much rainwater in because you know the river. But again, those are the two points that are required for the river. Then the Kapora Brut will discuss the halacha very shortly. He says, In the days of Nisan, the father of Shmuel would make mikvahs for his daughters. And he would provide mats in the Tishrei season. So what does this mean? So firstly, they always ask, what about his wife? Didn't his wife also need a mikvah wife for his daughters? So no, it was his daughters who lived on the Euphrates that this halacha was relevant to. That's the one explanation. But either way, what, um, what was he doing? So the Ram, I'll just go with the Ram's explanation. He says, In winter, they wouldn't go to mikvah in the river because it was freezing. Rather, they'd use the mikvahs in their houses. The water could be easier heated up. It was indoors. So it wasn't. That's why in winter they wouldn't go in there. It says, Nisan, that spring when it starts to warm up. They would start to go to mikveh in the rivers. So therefore in Nisan, he would make sure that they had nice outdoor mikvehs where they were, which they preferred to go to, um, up until Tishrei. Again, because remember, in the Euphrates you have a danger, 
that there's too much rainwater or melted snow in it came up until Tishrei. So around Nisan, when they would start going outdoors, he would build mikvahs for them. In Tishrei, around Tishrei, he didn't say that they needed mikvahs at all. Because there's no concern that the water's rainwater or melted snow. So there's actually, according to how the run learns, there's three stages. The winter when they would go indoors. Nisan, when they would want outdoor mikvahs, just because of the temperature, etc. So they would I imagine it's also much harder to upkeep an indoor mikvah. Um, so they would use the out, but he would make sure that they had mikvahs. He wouldn't let them go in the Euphrates because of the halacha we just learned. And then in Tishrei, he would even let them go in the Euphrates. However, must be the Yume Tishrei, he would make mats for them. There are two opinions what the mats were for. One is to put on the ground because if they walked over the mud and the mud gets stuck to their feet, then it's a chatzitza when they go to mikvah. So that's the one possibility. Well, the other possibility is you'd set it up as uh, partitions. For modesty, they wouldn't. If someone's nervous that someone's going to see them when they go to mikvah, they're not going to go to mikvah properly. So he would set up uh, screens for them to go to mikvah behind. That's the thing. That's a big rockets. Who do we pass it on? Can you go to mikvah in a river or not? Do you have to know that it flows all year round, and you also have to know that there's not more rainwater in the mikvah at the time that you want to go to mikvah? Um, so the Rad brings Rabbeinu Tam, who passes like Shmuel. But let's start with the other opinion, because it makes Rabbeinu Tam more surprising. But Rabbeinu Tam passes like Shmuel, which, again, why is it surprising? Firstly, we have Rav. Generally, when we have Rav and Shmuel in Isur, not in a monetary civil law, we follow Rav. We have another opinion of Shmuel, where he argues on his opinion that says you are allowed to. So we have Rav and Shmuel. Again, Shmuel, and we also have a word of Shmuel, Shmuel's father, who clearly practiced with the concerns of going to mikveh in a river. So that's Rav. So therefore, there's good grounds to say we should pass him. Not like the Shmuel that says that no, when there's a lot of water in the river, it's a little bit from the rain, and what and it's doubled from what comes from its source. That's how many Rishonim pass him. Um, Rabbeinu Tam, as I pointed out, he says no. And he brings a Gemara in Bechoros. What's it? Um, Bechoros, that implies we go like Shmuel, and therefore he passes like Shmuel, that you can always go to Mikveh in a river. Um, you know, interesting enough, one of the points I bring is this discussion of the how the rivers flow, and is the does the water come from underground to fool them for every drop of rain. They say, that's a garata. You don't paskin from a garata. That's another big discussion when you have stories in the Gomorrah. Can you use those or uh, these philosophical or more mystical discussions in the Gomorrah? Can you use those as a basis for halacha? That's another fascinating discussion. Not for now, but we have this machlokes, Rabbeinu Tam, and, um, and the other Rishonim, how to paskin. How do we actually paskin? Basically, I'd much rather use a mikvah. But if there's no other option, they do bring Ashkenazim, can rely on Rabbeinu Tam, which is quite phenomenal, shows his uh, influence and uh, the authority that he's given because it's arguing with basically everyone. It's quite a surprising way to look at it, even as we know reality. And yet, in a great need, you can rely on uh, Rabbeinu Tam for a mikvah. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today. Have a very good week. Thank you very much.